I'm going to set this off to the side. If any of you are new this morning, have you got any new faith this morning? You, you may be uh, new coming to the church and you're used to seeing Pastor Ken and maybe you come to the church because of Pastor Ken. And uh, you're like, well, who is this guy? But uh, it's a blessing to be here today and uh, it's, a, it's a really big privilege to stand behind this sacred pulpit today. And I don't take that as a, as a small thing. But I've prayed and I believe the Lord has given us a message for today. And so I'm just very, very thankful to be here. I'm reminded of a, of a very familiar scripture in John chapter 11. Don't turn there. And it's not even my text. But it's the story of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus. He said, Behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. And Jesus remained several days in the place where he was. And then finally Jesus came to Bethany, the place where Lazarus was. But before he came, he sent word to Mary and Martha. He said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. And sometimes we get a word from the Lord and we hear part of the word, but we don't really hear the whole message. Because all they heard was this sickness is not unto death and that's all they hung and they forgot all about for the glory of God that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. And so what is the very next thing that happened? Jesus said this sickness is not unto death. And the very next thing that happened is that Lazarus died. And it's at that moment that we're tempted to vacillate between trusting in God and panic. Anybody here ever done that? You know, you're, you're putting it on the altar and then you're, you're taking it off of the altar. We're trusting God, you know, and then we go through this, this shadow lands, C.S. Lewis puts it, this, this place where we're, we're not sure God knows what He's doing. And, and then in, in uh, verse, verse 21 and verse 32, Mary and Martha, they both said the same thing to Jesus. Lord, if you had only been here, my brother had not died. Can we pray? Father, we just bless your holy name. We thank you, Lord God, for this day. This is indeed the day that the Lord has made, and we'll be very careful to give you the honor and the praise and the glory. Father, we thank you for Harvest Bible Fellowship. Father, we thank you for Pastor Ken. Father, we ask that you would touch him in his physical body today. By your stripes we are healed. And so, Father, we thank you for your supernatural, miracle-working power that works in us. And the same Spirit that raised up Christ from the dead will also quicken our mortal bodies. And so, Father, we bless you and we just thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, well, I mean, we can read the rest of the story. We know what happened. Jesus showed up and, and she said, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother had not died. And Jesus said, your brother will rise again. And she said, I know, I know, at the great resurrection at the last day. And then Jesus said the most amazing, powerful words, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And that's good news for you and for me. If you are anybody here that's ever had anybody that you ever loved that has gone on to be with the Lord before you, you may be thinking of your mom today. You know, she's not here, but she's there. And years ago, I, I, made, I had to make the statement. I said, Mom, it's going to be a long time before I see you again. But until then, I'm just going to keep working for Jesus until that day. And so we know the rest of the story that, that Jesus went to the... He said, you know, uh, take me to the, the place where the, the dead is laid. And they said, Lord, you know, by now it's been several days. And... Do you know that there's a difference between the revealed will of God and the concealed will of God? The revealed will of God was roll away the stone. And sometimes it doesn't make sense. What, you know, God's unrevealed purpose is roll away the stone. That's the revealed will of God in that situation. And until you do the revealed will of God, the concealed will of God will never be known. And so... You have to come to a point where you've obeyed the Lord to the hilt. You've done everything that He's asked you to do. 
There's no more obedience called for. And you come to a place where there's nothing more that you can say. There's nothing more that you can do. You just simply let go and let God and trust Him. And sometimes you come to the place that all you can do is weep. And, you know, and the Scripture says, And Jesus saw them weeping and Jesus wept. And the Jews said, Behold how He loved Him. For we have a high priest that can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. And so then they rolled away the stone. They did what God told them to do. Is there anything in your life that you're, that you're holding back on? Is there anything in your life that you know God has spoken to you and you're resisting? We're great at resisting the leading of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I am great at resisting the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes the problems that I've had in my life have, have because of one thing and one thing only, and that's a lack of obedience. It, it's not a, any problems that anybody else ever did that was a problem in my life, because God is bigger than that. Is the problems that have been that have debilitated me, that have gotten me off track for years, is a lack of obedience. So, is there anything in your life today that you can say that the the, the, the spotlight, the searcher of God, is putting his light on, saying, "This deal with this thing." Is there something that? So they rolled away the stone, and then Jesus Jesus said, Lazarus, come, you know, I'm not going to do it the way I did it before. I, I was pastoring in a church before, and I said, Lazarus! And I, the guy in the front row almost fell over. But Jesus said with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. He knows what he's doing. He spoke to him by name. Can you imagine if Jesus said, come forth? Every dead person who ever died would come out of the grave. So... Jesus knows what he's doing. And um, some time ago, I was walking by a high school. And as I was walking by the bleachers, I looked down and I saw this pencil. I've kept it. And it's, it's nothing very special. And I know you can't see it from where you are because it's a distance away. But this is a pencil. It's, the tip is broken off. The eraser is broken off. It's all messed up. It's, it's basically, it's, it's to be discarded and it's useless. There's just nothing good about this pencil. Nobody wants it. It's worthless. It's discarded and it's used. But in the hand of Thomas Jefferson, this could write the Declaration of Independence. In the hand of Abraham Lincoln, this could write the Emancipation Proclamation. In the hand of Martin Luther King Jr. could write the I Have a Dream speech. And in the hand of the Apostle Paul it could write the book of Romans. So take a lesson, learn a lesson from this pencil. It has no eraser. It's not from that it was used a lot, but it was being because of being treated roughly just by the elements. And it just got messed up, kicked around. And... We can't go back in our life and erase the past. We'd love to, we'd, but you can't. Perhaps there's something in your life, something that you would like to fix, something that is just... But the past is the past. You can't erase the past. But what you can do is sharpen yourself and write a whole new future. Today I want to share a message entitled... A setback. We had setbacks. You can't erase the past. You cannot go back. We'd love to. Mary and Martha had a setback. But sometimes a setback is a setup. We can't see what God is doing in our lives. But God is working behind the scenes. What is, how does that song say? I know that God is working in my life. I can see Him working. I can feel Him working. God is working we can't see the way, but God has a way that God is working in our lives. So in the Bible, do we see anybody that's had a setback or a letdown? In Genesis chapter 37, we see Joseph, and we know there's the story of Joseph in the coat of many colors. And... And Joseph was loved by his father, Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then the 12 tribes, and then Joseph. 
And Jacob loved Joseph above his brothers, and his brothers knew it. The, the, the son of his beloved Rachel. And, and Je- Genesis chapter 37, verse 4, And when his brothers saw that his father loved Joseph more than his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. And Joseph dreamed several dreams. And one of the dreams is that he saw a stalk grow up and it was taller than the other stalks and the other stalks bowed down to this stalk. And Joseph communicated to his brothers that this is, this is me and that you're bowing down to me. And obviously we, we know the story of what happened and, and, and they hated Joseph. A setback is a letdown. Have you ever had a setback in your life? We've had setbacks from time to time in our lives. Joseph's brothers were jealous. The jealous brothers of Joseph. They hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. And so the traders came along and they had thrown Joseph down into a well, into a deep pit. They, it was a letdown. It was a setback. They let him down into a deep pit. Another person in the Bible that had a letdown was our friend Daniel. And in Daniel chapter 6, under, under King Darius, the, the leader of the Medes, the, the great Medo-Persian Empire before King Cyrus came, And there were three presidents under King Darius. And Daniel was one of those presidents. And he was lifted high above the others. And and, and they they were jealous again. People jealous of Joseph. His brothers were jealous of Joseph. Joseph just loved his father, was obedient to his father. And his father loved him for that. And Daniel was one of three presidents. And... And the presidents and the princes sought, verse 4, sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, that they could find no occasion and no fault in Daniel for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Daniel had had an excellent spirit. He had a spirit of excellence. And Daniel was raised to a high office by his royal master, King Darius. But then Daniel's jealous rivals, they tricked King Darius. In verse 7, Daniel chapter 6, All the presidents of the kingdom and the governors and the princes and the counselors and the captains consulted together to establish a royal decree to make a firm decree that whoever should ask a petition of any god or of any man for thirty days, save you, O king, should be cast into the den of lions. What a crazy thing. No one can ask anything. You can't pray to God. You can't ask any favors by anybody except to the king. For, only for 30 days. And if you don't do that, if you, if, you, if you pray to God or you ask anything of anybody other than Darius, you're going to be thrown into the den of lions. And all this just to trap Daniel because they knew that he was, that he was faithful and they knew that he prayed three times a day to God and to his house. And they knew he would not stop doing it. He was faithful to God. And so they tricked him and they trapped him. And, and they came and told the king that. And when the king, when he heard these words, he was sorely displeased with himself. He was mad at himself that he, he allowed himself to get tricked into this thing. And they knew that he was he knew that he had gotten tricked by his own presidents, but he had already issued the, the decree. And the, the, Median, the, uh, the Midian government would not allow, once there was a royal decree, it couldn't be undone. And so the king commanded and they brought Daniel and they cast him down into the lion's den. It's a setback. It's a letdown. And God will see to it this may sound a little different to you, 
But it is God's job, it is God's business, that God will see to it that man lets you down. God will see to it that man lets you down, uh, disappoints you, that God will see to it it is God's job, it is God's business, that man disappoints you and lets you down. And you say, well, why would God do that? The whole purpose of that is so that you won't trust in man. If you go from Genesis 1-1 forward and Revelation 22-21 backward, if you go da, 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 all the way down and you, you end up in the very middle verse in the Bible, you're going to arrive at Psalm 118-8. I don't know who the, uh, the bean counters are that came up with that because I certainly am not the guy, but it's well known that the, the, center, the center verse in the Bible, the central verse, the central theme of the Bible is Psalm 118.8. And it says, It is better to trust the Lord than to put confidence in man. And I remember so many times as a kid, I, would, I remember I was riding my bike on South Clinton Avenue by the Association for the Blind, and, and the Lord had done something very amazing in my life, and there was no other explanation of it than God had shown Himself faithful to me and I I was so I was I felt so sorry because I said Lord how many times how many times do you have to show yourself faithful to me before I finally learn to trust you we've had letdowns we've had setbacks but how many times does God have to turn that setback into a comeback how many times before we finally learn to trust him God will see to it that man lets you down so that you won't trust in man. Man is fickle. If a man can you know, build up your self-image and you feel great, you, you have this relationship and your whole self-image is contingent on this relationship. If they have the ability to build you up, guess what? They have the ability to tear you down. And God is not in the tearing down business because everything that God does is one thing. Redemptive. Everything that God does, He does with redemption. He is a redeemer. We don't need religion. We need a redeemer named Jesus Christ. And everything that God does is redemptive in our lives. He's, he's always building us. He's always faithful. And he's, he's good. The goodness of God leads us to repentance, the Scripture said. And so a, set up, a letdown, a setback, is a set up. God is setting us up because He wants to do something in our lives and build us up better and stronger. My great mentor, I guess, from when I was a kid, holds the world record for the most broken bones. If you look in the Guinness Book of World Record, 433 broken bones. Evil Knievel has the world record. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. There's only 206 bones, right, in the human body. But... When, when you break a bone, it'll never break again in that spot. So they say, thank the Lord, I've never broken a bone. But they say that when you break a bone, it heals stronger there in that spot. A setback is a setup for God to do something in your life, to do something bigger and greater and stronger and bring you to new levels. But when God brings you to new levels, He has to strengthen you because God wants to bring you to greater levels of understanding and wisdom and discernment, spiritual power. But with greater levels, there's greater devils. And before God promotes you, He has to prepare you. And when you have a setback, sometimes it is God that's doing it. That thing that happened in your life, that, 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 that physical illness, that, that employment situation... That relationship problem may have been sent by God to do something in our lives to strengthen us, to build us, to get us to the next level. A setback is a setup. God wants to set us up for His work in our lives. If you have this little outline, it is often the letdown that God wants to use to strengthen you for the next portion of your journey. What you think is a setback, God is secretly setting you up for a comeback. So maybe, maybe you have had a setback. Maybe, maybe you feel like by this age in your life you should be this far along financially. Whatever is the issue. 
It, it doesn't take God by surprise. And He is at work in us both to will and to do of whose good pleasure. Oh, that sister that shared that scripture, that's one of my most favorite scriptures that she said, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. What manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons and daughters of God. Powerful. What you think is a setback, God is secretly setting you up for a comeback. And He's setting you up for a comeback to be greater than your beginning. The Bible says, How lovely on the mountains are the feet of them that bring good news. Beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the side of the earth, the north, the city of the great king. He's, he's doing something in our lives. He's at work in our lives. God likes to do things where His activity is the only explanation. When God operates, God operates in the supernatural. We wouldn't say that when you put the ice cube tray in the freezer and it freezes, that's a supernatural miracle of God. We wouldn't say that, right? Because God has set up His creation to work in the natural. But God operates in the supernatural where sometimes only, only God's working is the only explanation. There's been s- several times in my life that God has been so faithful to me. There's that song that we sing in our churches these days. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. That is my life story. That is my testimony. God has been faithful to me. But God wants to work where only His activity is the only explanation. Things that we don't see necessarily as a blessing can actually somehow turn into a blessing. I was pastoring a church, and one time we had the, the water pipes burst. And because they, the builders never built the building right. So you have the copper pipes going up against the rafters, so you have the drywall, then you have the insulation, then you have the copper. So the heat never gets to the copper. So of course it's going to burst. But you wouldn't call that a supernatural act of God. Of course, it's, of course the pipe is going to burst when it's below 32 degrees and it freezes. But somehow God took that situation, the church flooded, but God somehow worked it into a great blessing. God operates in the supernatural where only He can take the credit. But they threw Joseph down into a pit. And a pit, was a, it was a well, it was a dry well that they threw Joseph down into. And so a pit, P-I-T, it's only a point in time. Point in time, P-I-T. What is a pit? It's, a, it's only a point in time. You see that there in the outline. It's a point in time. It's not forever. Joseph's time in the pit was not forever. But it can be. Sometimes if we, if we don't let God work in our lives, it can turn into a permanent immobilization territory. We can become so debilitated and we refuse to continue to seek God and to press in to the Lord. And I don't know a lot of things, but I know enough in my life that I'm not going to give up. I'm not... Because I know that God still has work for me to do, still has a plan for my life. There's been times where I've gotten so off track because of my own lack of obedience... For years I got off track. It's so debilitated. I never paid any bills for a year. My taxes were in arrears. I mean, we get into such a funk sometimes. So we don't want to turn our pit into a permanent immobilization territory, but we want to turn it into a personal inventory taking. 
What is God doing? God is doing something. Can, can we be honest enough to look at ourselves and say, what is God doing? What does God want from me? And how, Lord, how? So, in our ministry, sometimes we have something very basic called walk and pray. And when we walk and pray, we just take a little, a little booklet and we write down the things I request. Make your request known to God. So how do you ever have answer to prayer if you never pray? And when you pray and God answers your prayer and you say either one of two things, either, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah, that's a miracle you've answered. You've heard, First John says that God hears and answers prayer. So God has heard me. Or we just say, oh, wow, that was a really big coincidence. We get so in the flesh sometimes that we God is doing something and we don't actually acknowledge that that's God that's, that's come through on my behalf. It's amazing when it does that because when you, when you walk and pray and you prayer journal and, you, and then you begin to see specific answer to specific prayer, it'll blow you away because it's like, wow, that, that's too much of a coincidence. That has to be God. To answer that prayer specifically. It can be our pit, like Joseph's pit. It can be a performance improvement time. Where we begin to, you know, set our ducks in a row. And we begin to, as God shows us the way out. Because God, sometimes, you know, He'll just take us. Okay, now take one step. And then another baby step. Sometimes we'd like to see... The whole picture. But if God showed us the whole picture, it would be too much. So sometimes when you drive at night and your headlights, you know, on the winding road, you can only see what about a hundred feet maybe or so in front of you. And that's how God leads us. That He requires, He leads, we follow, and He requires us to trust Him. Just trust me. Psalm 118.8, the central verse, the middle verse in the Bible better to trust the Lord than to put confidence in man because man will let you down. God will see to it that man lets you down. It's God's business that man lets you down. So you don't trust in man. So we trust in the Lord who everything that he does in our lives is redemptive. To us, we're just waiting and waiting on the Lord. We think waiting is wasting, but waiting is working. God is working behind the scenes. Even though I can't see it, even though I can't feel it, what is, how does that go? I see, I know that you're working in my life. To us, waiting is wasting, but to God, waiting is working. A pit can be a process implementation technique where God begins to show you a process implementation technique. God begins to show you specifically how He wants things to be ordered and structured in your life. Psalm 27, 14 says, Wait on the Lord and be of good courage, and He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. We don't like to do that. You know, sometimes when we pray, sometimes the answer is yes, sometimes the answer is no, and sometimes the answer is wait. And... You know, that, that's when we're in that Shadowlands that C.S. Lewis talked about. The, uh, the misty flats, another hymn writer put it, where we see through a glass darkly and we, we only know in part. And that's when God requires us to trust Him. Do you, do, are we beginning to trust Him? Because trusting in God is not natural for us. But it's, it's over a period of time where you have a track record where you see that God has shown Himself faithful to you. And if He's been faithful to me in the past, then I'm willing to take a leap of faith and trust Him with this other thing. And it, and it grows and grows. You get stronger as you wait. A pit can be when you pull it together and you start to get your head straightened out and you and you begin to say I'm, I'm not settling for less than God's best in my life anymore I'm not gonna settle I know what God has called me to do I may not be there exactly yet but I'm taking steps in that direction 
when you keep being your best and keep honoring God in the hard times like Daniel did, you read the story. I don't want to just sit up here and read the story, but in Daniel, they cast him into the lion's den and the angel shut the mouth of the lions. Then, you, you talk about those other... There were three presidents and Daniel was one of the presidents under King Darius. And so, when they pulled Daniel out of the lion's den, he wasn't touched, he wasn't scathed. Earlier in the book of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they weren't touched in the fiery furnace, neither was the, the smell of fire even on their clothes. But then the other presidents that tried to throw Daniel under the bus... They're the ones, if you've ever read the story, they're the ones that got thrown into the lion's den. It didn't go so good for them. The angel didn't stop the, the lion's mouth for them. The Bible says that He'll pay you back double for your trouble. You read that in Isaiah 61, verse 7 and 8. God will pay you back double for your trouble as you begin to trust Him. And, and it, it's, an, it's a miraculous thing, that, but God will actually do something great in your life. I've had times in my life where I've gotten off schedule. I had big letdowns. Some of you know that we were, we were preparing to do a world record for America's Got Talent. And that didn't happen. Because they, looked, they took a deep dive into my social media and anything I ever said about the evils of pedophilia and LGBTQ and abortion and all these things. Hollywood was like, uh-uh, we're not, we can't you know, we can put that guy on you know, our show. Evil things that that is. There's, there's things in this world that, that in, in today's modern world, as you know very well, I don't need to spend any time with that, that, that the talking heads on TV and our culture and our society think is right, but is very wrong in the eyes of God. And, you know, the Bible says, if you separate the precious from the vile, you shall be as my mouth. You can be the very mouthpiece for the kingdom of God. If you separate the precious from the vile, we have... You know, Jesus, when He said, judge not lest you be judged, the very next thing out of His mouth was, condemn not lest you be condemned. He was condemning a judgment of condemnation where you treat someone with contempt of no value as a human being, but he wasn't saying don't, don't have righteous judgment because John 7.24 says, love makes righteous judgments. John 7.24. So we have to be able to separate the precious from the vile. We have to make righteous judgments even to keep our sanity and our right mind and our right thinking. But the main thing that was Joseph's pit was that he was a preacher in training. We got any preachers in training here today? That, that's what that pit is. A setback is a setup. God is setting you up that your ministry will come forward. And you say, well, I'm not a minister. I'm not. I, I, yes, you are. Whatever your sphere of influence is, you have your own unique sphere of influence that no, maybe you work in a clothes store, right? Maybe, but that's your sphere of influence. God is doing something and He wants to use you just the way you are, just where you are. Because what is that song? Just as I am without one plea, but that Thy blood was shed for me, I come. And that's how we come before the Lord. Not because I'm great, but because He's great. You know, and I can have peace with that. So a pit is a preacher in training. A time for determining what is your gift. What is, what is specifically God has gifted you as? What are the tools that are in your hand? You know, the Bible says that God has called the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And there's nothing more foolish than a guy wearing a yellow leather suit jumping through a, a burning wall. But, but when America's Got Talent went away, another television show called Good Guys Doing Good, we got in touch, the, we got in touch with each other. And rather than being a 30-second blurb on a show that would never amount to anything, there was this Christian ministry, FISM ministry, that came here that did a whole, a whole program about our time there. And they filmed um, 
in the city of Rochester and they film stuff and they put together this whole, this whole long hour or either half an hour or hour long program about the ministry that happened in the field. And so when... I thought the other, the America's Got Talent was a setback, but it was a setup. God was setting me up. You've had setbacks, but a setback is only a setup. The Bible says in Proverbs 18:16, a man's gift will make room for him and bring him before great men. You have a, a very unique, specific gift. What are the tools that are in your hands? How has God gifted you? What, what are your, your innate, involuntary giftings that you, know, that you do? Sometimes we work a job that we just have to work this job to, to pay the bills. And I get that. It's not necessarily what we love to do. But what has God specifically gifted you to do? Because in these last days that we're in, I challenge you to try to maybe start a business that is using your just your your unique giftings that you're not if it's possible that you're not relying on an ungodly employer that that God will begin to give you witty inventions things that you can do that no matter what may happen what the tide may come God is still your provider still your refuge still your Jehovah Jireh and we use wisdom. A wise man sees the evil coming and he crosses the street. A man's gift will make a room for him and bring him before great men. Joseph and Daniel both had a gift. With Joseph, once he was out of the pit into Potiphar's house, now... He goes from the pit to the prison. Sometimes things get worse. Mary and Martha, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. The sickness is not unto death. And then Lazarus dies. Joseph, from the pit to the prison. But he went from the pit to the prison. The, sometimes things go from bad to worse. And, but sometimes that's a good sign that you see that God is actually now has something to work with. Because a setup... A, a, a setback is a setup because he went from the pit to the prison to the palace. And now he's standing before Pharaoh and he interprets the dream. The years, the seven years of plenty and the seven years of famine. And he said, who? And Joseph said, and you should put a man over all of Egypt that will be wise enough to handle the seven years and to you know, store up in the storehouses. And Pharaoh said, who but this man has the Spirit of the Holy God in him? Pharaoh said that. You see the same thing that with King Darius, with Daniel. He said, who but this man? He said he made a decree over, over all of Persia, former Babylon. He said, of all this area, everyone is a, is a decree that you must worship the God of Daniel. Talk about evangelism. Joseph and Daniel had a gift. Dream interpretation. It's a good thing that Joseph and Daniel didn't give up on their gift. Have you given up on something? Something that is a dream that God has placed in your heart. Perhaps when you were young. Is there a gift? Is there something? And you say, well, that was a foolish dream or delusions of grandeur. Or was it... Or was it an idea that God placed in your spirit a long time ago, perhaps? It's a good thing that Daniel and Joseph didn't give up on their gift. They said, no, 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 that was only for when I was a kid. It may not have served him well when he was young, but it saved the world when he was older. With Joseph, the whole world came to Egypt and were fed because of the storehouses from the seven years of plenty. Beyond vindication, in both of these stories, a setback is a setup. We forget what the, what the Scripture actually says sometimes. Because God has called us to be victorious, to be overcomers, to be conquerors. 
Now thanks be to God that always causes us to triumph in Christ. 2 Corinthians 2.14 Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. Romans chapter 8 Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation or distress, persecution, famine, sword, peril. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. No, we are in all things more than conquerors through Him who loved us. But thanks be to God that giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15.15 That's an easy one to remember. 1 Corinthians 15.15 Thanks be to God that giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, I humbly ask the question, do you have victory in your life today? Do you have victory overcoming the enemy? You, You read in the Bible... In Isaiah chapter 14, the picture of our of our enemy, and he says, "This this is the one that deceived the nations. This little split hoof, this the devil has actually no power." Was it Sammy Davis Jr. said, "The devil made me do it. The devil can't make you do anything. He's a whisperer. All he does is make suggestions, and the whole world is bought into his suggestions." But greater is He that is in you and in me than he that is in the world. We have victory over the devil. And there's only two enemies, you and the devil. And He's given you authority over the devil. So who's the problem? Me. I'm the problem. We. We are the problem. Because you have power over Him. Thanks be to God that gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 47, clap your hands, all you people, and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. For the Lord Most High is terrible. He is the great King over all the earth. He shall subdue our enemies under us. One of my most, most, most favorite verses in all of the Bible, I have to say, is Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 2. For I remember you. I'll just read it. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 2. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 1. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I remember you in the kindness of thy youth and the love of thine espousals when thou went after me in the wilderness in a land that was not sown. Israel was holiness unto the Lord. And he says... My people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. Be, be astonished, O heavens, at this and horribly afraid, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken the fountain of living water and they have hewed out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Of old time have I broken your yoke and burst your bands and you said, I will not transgress when upon every high hill and under every green tree thou wandered. Yet I planted you a noble vine, a holy right seed. How are you turned into the degenerate plant of a strange vine unto me? God has not forgotten you. 1987, 1988, 1989. You can go back. I was born in 1964. God has not forgotten you. He's seen every tear you've shed, every lonely night, every wrong that's been done, every person that has harmed you. God will give you double for your trouble. He's going to make your wrongs right he, because He's a God of justice. So my encouragement is to seek the Lord for His setups. Because He will bring setups. A setback is a setup. Seek the Lord for His setups. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. For the eyes of the Lord, the eyes of our understanding, being enlightened, that you might know what is the hope of His calling. That, that we would know what God wants us to do. That the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. That we might know, not think so, not hope so, that I might know what is the hope to which God has called me to. As we seek the Lord, He will help us to know that we know what God has called us to do. I know what God wants me to do. 
that you might grow that you might grow strong in the power of his might by his spirit in the inner man. So a setback is a setup for a comeback. A letdown is a prelude to a breakthrough. God wants to do something great and a breakthrough in our lives. A letdown doesn't have to keep you down. It can be a springboard for your comeback. You might have gotten knocked down, but God is going to bring you back stronger than ever. I remember when we were at these youth conferences, in, uh, at the Niagara Youth Conferences, they would always sing this song, Romans 16:19. Does anybody know that? Romans 16:19 says, "And the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet." And that's true. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly. So in the life of Joseph, Pharaoh said, "The spirit of God is in Joseph." And jo- Pharaoh put his ring on Joseph's hand. He went from the pit to the prison to the palace. Daniel you see the Darius's decree. I'll just read it real quickly. Chapter 6 and I decree chapter 6 verse Daniel chapter 6 verse 26. And I decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel for he is the living God, steadfast forever, and his kingdom for that which shall not be destroyed, his dominion shall be even unto the end. And he delivers and rescues and works signs and wonders in heaven and earth who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. And then Daniel prospered. So then Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. If you look in your outline, I really want you to write this little bit there. My setbacks have amused you, but my comebacks will confuse you. When you see that, you know, that God is working, there's no other explanation. There's, there's been people that have been shocked when they've seen, because they've seen, oh yeah, we know that guy, we've got him all figured out. That's how we've got him in that box. That's, how, that's who and how he is. But the Bible says, He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Jeremiah 29.11 When the children of Israel found themselves in, in captivity in Babylon, he says, listen, God says, listen, you're going to be here for a good amount of time, so plant gardens and build your house, but don't worry about it because I know the plans that I have for you, saith the Lord. Plans of good to give you a future and a hope and an expected end. But people are tended to say, when they see us make mistakes, oh, I know that guy, that's, that's just how he is. Leopards can't change their spots. Unless you're a leper and you actually come to Jesus. Right? In the story in Matthew, where the leper comes to Jesus. Matthew chapter 8. And when he was come down from the mountain, a great multitude followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched. Now they say leper, leopards can't change their spots. And they used to say that about lepers too. Leprosy, Hansen's disease. That you can't... But Jesus was willing to go into Lazarus' tomb. He was willing to go and touch the leper. Jesus is willing to go into our mess and make a message out of our mess. God is willing to do these things. Jesus loves you. And because He loves you, He's willing. Because He sees great potential. You're not the setback. You're the comeback. You're the comeback kid. God has great plans for you. Did you hear that? God has plans for you. Great. I know the thoughts that I think for, toward you, saith the Lord. Plans of good to bring you a future, to bring you hope. Sometimes we don't believe that. But the whoever, our, our naysayers, they don't know the plans that God has for you. Setbacks are us getting off track. Comebacks are simply us saying to God, Yes. So when the Lord begins speaking to me, 
I just be, you, you just sometimes there's there's no great act of obedience. We just yield when we just say okay, Lord, okay. You have your way. The devil isn't a fool. He wouldn't waste his time to destroy you if he didn't realize the awesome, powerful person that you are. He wouldn't waste time trying to get you off track if he didn't know what great potential you have. Isn't that awesome? The devil's not foolish. He's a fool. But he's not foolish in the, in the respect where, where he is trying to take as many people with him. You know, the devil is raging because the Revelation says because he knows he's got a short time and he's trying to take as many with him as he can. The unique, beautiful plans that God has for you. The devil wants you to get off track. And I'll close here. The Scripture says, Paul writes two times with the same introduction sentence. Now unto him who is able. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. God wants to do this work in our lives. A work of joy. So a setback is a setup for a comeback. A letdown is a prelude to a breakthrough. God has a breakthrough in your future. And you will have your suddenly experience. In Acts chapter 26, I'll... I'll Acts... 1626. You know, God has two speeds, right? We know that. Two speeds. Anybody know them? Not you, not you people. This is Daniel. This is David. This is Sarah. That's Neil D'Angelo, the real deal over there. But God has two speeds, right? Try to remember this. Slow and suddenly. Right? And we think that nothing is happening and nothing is happening and and nothing is happening. And, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. So God has two speeds, slow and suddenly. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. God has a suddenly in your future. We think waiting is wasting, but waiting is working. We can't see the way, but God has a way. God knows what He's doing. And He will work out His plans. In Malachi it says, and suddenly, I'll read that. I said, there's only one thing worse than a pilot that doesn't know how to get off the ground. And there's one where he's coming in and he takes right back off again. But I'm not going to do that. (laughs) But... I I want to read this scripture in Malachi and then Malachi chapter 3 and verse 1. Behold, I will send my messenger and he shall prepare the way before you, before me. Behold, I will send my messenger and that's you. That's you. I mean, it it can be. Of course, this is a messianic prophecy, but... But, you know, the Bible can be very personalized for you. Behold, I will send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me that you are God's messenger. You are the conduit. A conduit is a piece of pipe usually, uh, you know, screwed to the wall. And the pipe itself, what? Oh, yeah, conduit right there. See that? Conduit. This thing right here. There's no power in the conduit unless you're... And if you know electrical... But the power is in the conduit. You're the conduit. You are God's conduit. The power of God flows through you. I will send my messenger, that's you, and and you will prepare a way before me, says the Lord, whom you seek. And suddenly I will come into the temple, even the messenger of the covenant, whom you delight in. But sometimes our conduit gets 
clogged and corroded right, by, by a lack of obedience. And God wants to clear and cleanse our conduit so we can communicate clearly. How did that go? Our conduit gets clogged and corroded, but He wants to clean and clear it so we can communicate clearly. So God will bring you a suddenly. And the Bible, Jesus said that He that remains faithful unto the end. Matthew 10.22 He that remains faithful to the end shall be saved. So, I just want to conclude uh, with a question. The Bible says to prepare. We prepare for a lot of things. We prepare to go on vacation. We prepare for our retirement, 401k. Amos chapter 4 and verse 12 says, prepare to meet thy God. And have you ever done that? Are you prepared? Hebrews 9.27 says, for it is appointed unto man once to die. And that's the Bible. That's not, I, I don't like to say these things, but it is a, nobody likes to talk. I remember when Billy Graham was interviewed by Larry King and he was promoting this book, Facing Death. Larry King said, nobody wants to, why do you make that the title of your book? That Nobody wants to talk about that subject. And Dr. Graham said, well, I, the publishing company didn't want me to write this book. But I believed that the Lord wanted me to. And So the, the Bible says, for it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that the judgment. And the scripture clearly says to prepare to meet thy God. And so, have you ever done that? Can you sit here today and say that I am prepared to stand before God? Jesus said, Be also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. So just as we conclude, if we could just have a moment, we, we bow our hearts before the Lord, bow our eyes, Close our eyes, bow our hearts before the Lord. If, if there's anyone here today that perhaps you've been closer to the Lord than you are right now. If you've ever been closer to Jesus than you are right now, the Bible says that you are in a backslidden condition. The Bible says, I will love you freely. I will heal your backsliding. If there's anyone in here that's, that's not prepared to stand before the Lord, you're not really, you, you could honestly say that I'm not sure if, I'm, if Jesus were to come today that I'm ready to meet the Lord. If there's anyone here today that you know that you need to make a rededication of your life to the Lord or perhaps you've never given your heart to the Lord Jesus, I would just ask you with all humility and courage, and it takes courage to come to Jesus, if one of those two describes you, if perhaps that you know you're you're not really where you know you need to be at with the Lord, or if you've been closer to the Lord but you know you need to come back to the Lord, or if you say that I've never really given my heart to the Lord and I'm not sure if I'm ready, should the Lord come today, I'm ready to meet Him. If if there's anyone here like that, just slip your hand up just briefly, quickly, in this place. If the Lord has touched you, perhaps, and you know that you need to rededicate your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and uh, you know, God loves you. We all know John 3.16, but John 3.17 says, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Just as we finish, if we could just have a corporate prayer together. I'll pray and, and uh, you just pray after me. And, and when we pray, God hears it. So let's pray this today. Lord Jesus, I want it to go on record today that all that I am now, all that I ever become in the future, wherever I go and whatever I do, I put my life in your hands 
I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I ask you to come into my life. I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And so, Father, I thank you, Lord, that you hear and you answer prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.